This is Tom Trebojevic, fullback for the Manly Ringer Seagulls, and you're listening to the Supercoach Champions Podcast. Hello and welcome to the NRL Supercoach Champions Podcast. I'm Joe Fitz. Another turbo masterclass and another huge scoring round for supercoaches, but the injuries are piling up faster than many of us can trade them out, for those of us still with trades, that is. And here to help us make smarter decisions this week is the human personification of the phrase, do as I say, not as I do, it's Wilf. Yep, yep, yep. That's, that's the story of my season, basically. I feel like my advice on the whole has been pretty solid, but yeah, my own personal Choices from our own team hasn't hasn't always worked out, but having said that, fresh off the back of a fifteen seventy three, this is actually my my PB, my highest super coach score ever, and it's just gross that I only went up two thousand spots. <laughs> yeah, mate, you're actually sounding a little bit quiet. You're gonna have to speak up. I, I can't hear you all the way back in the ten k's there. Um, <laughs> you're a fair bit behind me, mate. Fourteen seventy five. So you beat me for the week. Uh, but I am ranked around 6,100th, which not ideal, but um, about 350 points ahead of you. But but Guy, playing super dad, so he's away from the podcast at the moment, 1507, he's in the 1500s. So, yeah, he's lapping us both, isn't he? Well, it's back-to-back 1500 scores for him. And, I mean, 1500 last week was a big score compared to what most other people put up. So, yeah, he's flying, and I think he's on the charge to a top 1,000 finish, which is always... It's a nice benchmark to aim for, and I guess, yeah, of the three of us, he's probably the only one who's, who's within the chance of hitting that this year, but that's all good. Um, someone who doesn't have to worry about that, we've got MJ, the coach of the 4020s. He's been, I guess, the chief champ uh, from our um, Patreon group. He's pushed his way all the way to 17th, so he, you know, he was up there for a while and he slipped back, but full credit to him, he's really managed to fight back, and it's been hard hard work. I know uh, MJ's been, yeah, really looking into things and but at the same time, try not to overthink. And that's really, it's, it's so much harder than it sounds for Supercoach, but he's only 70 points outside the money ranks, which is huge. And for a top three podium finish to borrow Olympic theme, uh, he's only 240 points back. So that's really not much considering how the scoring's going this year. And a quick shout out also to Fong, coach of Munster Inc., who's pushed his way back to 80th. So he was, yeah, up there in the top 50 for a while too. Slipped back, but again, you know, good bounce back for him. So It's a really good point you make though, mate, on the um, on having the discipline to kind of filter out that noise because there is so much noise when you're kind of up closer to the pointy end, which you have more experience than me at, obviously. But, you know, seeing MJ, he'll drop into our champs discord, you know, for a little bit of chat, but he doesn't live there. And uh, I think that's a really smart decision, just kind of being able to just pick and choose your, your nuggets of wisdom because if you start kind of swimming in it, uh, you'll definitely overthink it. Yeah, I think that's really true. And you've got to work out what works for you because for me, like when I was doing well, I was just immersing myself in everything I could find, just kind of find out what everyone else was doing, what the trends were and all that type of stuff. And then that helped me crystallize my own thought process and decide what I was going to do for my own team. Whereas I think what the way MJ has been approaching it, he's kind of just been, look, he's doing his own research, doing his own thing, sticks his head in, as you point out, and just kind of gauges what everyone else is kind of doing, but not going into too much detail and then goes away and makes his decisions. So 
it's been working for him all year and I've been telling him to back his gut the whole time and he's he's done that and he's still flying so really well done to him a quick shout out to the champions 20 head-to-head two league they've uh, moved up to 25th overall so you know for a head-to-head league that's pretty strong we still we definitely have to give the turbos hemis cup a shout out here officially top ranked league now I think that's a huge effort considering you know you'd, they've had uh, millstones like myself dragging them over a rank <laughs> Well, we do also have the uh, the Vili Army, the the top ranked team this year in overall. So that certainly helped uh, helped us, mate. I'm still in. Uh, basically, I'm sitting in ninth now, and there's I'm one of three teams with a with a chance to to snake that eighth spot. So yeah, hoping to uh, for for the podcast honour to uh, to sneak into the finals. But as we'll go through, I'm not sure with my team how long I'm going to last. Yeah, it's a bit rough this year, but. Speaking of uh, injuries and all the dramas that we've got through, I'll just do a quick wrap and then we'll dive into some of the team lists soon. What's the matter? Haven't you seen a football injury before, you wimps? Let's go. All right, so here to do the round 20 wrap-up. Just real quick, uh, you know, the injuries are not as bad this week, but there's a pretty, I guess because we're near the end of the season, it's pretty uh, serious in terms of, you know, when we say ruled out for the season, it sounds like a, a pretty long time, but it's only in reality, you know, five, six weeks. Having said that, Tony Staggs, uh, the Broncos have officially said unlikely to return for the season. So it's not been fully ruled out, but I mean, unlikely doesn't sound great. He's, uh, you know, they did an on-field test for the ACL, which came back clear. So that's good, but it's an MCL injury. It looks like it's just a contact, like a tra- traumatic injury. So it's not soft tissue. Uh, so, yeah, it's just a bit of bad luck, basically. Get, got caught twisted trying to score a try, which, you know, a lot of players do that. So, yeah, he'll be gone. Uh, I think, I mean, if you're short on trades, you're probably holding him anyway. But I think, yeah, he's he's probably not likely to come back, just given the way the Broncos are going and where they are at, in the table. So, other big injury from the center wings is Dan Laurie, who fractured his leg. So, he has been ruled out for the season by the West Tigers. So, yeah, no surprises there. So, obviously, if you've got Stags and Laurie, um, you're probably trading him out first. Then you've got Josh Morris, who did his hamstring. Usually, it just, I mean, we don't know exactly how severe it is, but because he's a bit older, you know, he's later in his career, there's a high, high chance that he's going to be uh, gone for a fair while. And, uh, I mean, we don't know if it's going to be the whole season, but I wouldn't, I'd, I'd be shocked if he's back any time in the next two, three weeks. But yeah, more more info to come on that from the Roosters. Ben Hunt, uh, as we know now, obviously, you know, fractured his arm, but played out the second half. Super tough guy. <laughs> but yeah, the Dragons have said he'll be, he won't undergo surgery, so he'll be returning, but he'll be gone for at least a month. So yeah, uh, I'd say if he comes back, it'll be for one or two, uh, one or two rounds at max. Then you've got Jerome Hughes, who... You know, came off the field a calf injury, looked pretty uncomfortable. Like he kicked the ball and then he landed and yeah, so it was a non contact injury. It could just be you know, maybe got a cork along the way and it's like, you know, a bit of bit of pain. But he's been named this week, so we'll have to see how that plays out. And, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if he gets a week off. Um, I think NRL Physio said, you know, the storm obviously have depth, so if they want to give him a week or two off, like they could easily do that. So yeah, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. I guess if you're a Hughes owner, you definitely keep an eye out for the late mail for sure. Then Jesse Ramian, who was a late out due to an ear infection. I mean, like an ear infection, you just got to wait for it to clear up. 
it is extremely painful, so it's hard to play uh, footy, let alone do a lot of things when you've got that ear infection. So it's no surprise he missed a game. But yeah, it's just a matter for it to clear up and he should be good to go and be potentially a chance for this week. Then Jake Turpin uh, of the Broncos, you know, syndesmosis injury. At this stage, he is out for one week, but we're still waiting to see how long he'll be gone for. I, I don't know, basically. So it may be a week-to-week thing, just depending on how he comes back. But they did say afterwards that it wasn't as bad as they first thought, which is positive. And then they have Reagan Campbell-Gillard, who suffered a groin injury, so he was gone for the game. And from what I understand, you know, we don't know the exact severity of it, so we don't know how long he might be out for. But, I mean, if it's a minor thing, it could be as bad as, you know, a day-to-day type thing. Uh, so very minor, but it could be, you know, I think Kellen Ponger suffered a groin injury, so he ended up being out for a couple of weeks. So it just really depends how they recover, and it's very individual for the player. So, yeah, um, that's the injuries from you know, the ones that occurred. Obviously, there's some big-name players that are coming back. We've spoken about Nathan Cleary, so no need to talk about him again. Mitch Moses, obviously, uh, you know, pretty significant-sounding injury. <laughs> a fractured back is never a good thing. So the reality is is that there is a definite injury, injury risk there for reoccurrence if he cops a hit in the wrong spot, et cetera, et cetera. But, but outside of that, it shouldn't really impact his uh, performance from a physical standpoint. And also other returning players, I mean, Adam Fenua Blake, I think uh, it seems like because he's coming back so soon, he's avoided the fracture and, uh, as discussed in the past, just needs to make sure that wound heals. And if he heals, I think the Warriors will roll him out there and, Know, short of again, you know, re-injuring or the wound up, opening up again, he should be fine to play as per usual. Uh, in terms of other key players coming back, Mitch Pierce, obviously, because again, you know, he's a bit older, so it just, you know, as as you get older, the body doesn't always recover as well. So that's just the issue here. Uh, at this stage, it's a minor tear apparently, so you know there is certainly a risk of reoccurrence, and not not that anyone's really really planning to get Mitch Pierce, but. It's more about, you know, an impact on the Knights if he does get injured again. So, and um, just to, again, this is borrowed from NRL Physio's Patreon, but apparently uh, Brian Toa, so he is currently expected to be back for the finals and most likely, most likely scenario is week one of the finals, but uh, there was some discussion that there is a potential for him to be back by round 25 if his recovery goes as well as it can possibly go. Uh, he gave a couple of examples. So in the past, DCE and also Dylan Brown have returned in that same time frame, and they're pretty much the only ones. So I think uh, it just really depends on how he recovers. But you know, if you've only got one tread left and you've got a couple of season-ending injuries and you thought Brian Tortwell was one of them, maybe he's one that you just hang on to and you cross your fingers and pray that everyone else has traded him out and you might get him back around 25. That's pretty much what I'm doing with uh, George Jennings, who was slated for around 25 return. So, yeah, unfortunately I've traded Tor out already, but had I known this a little bit earlier, I might have been tempted to hold him just for a little bit longer, but that's that. Anyway, that's enough for injury chat. We'll move on to the team list. Steven, I like your hustle. That's why it was so hard to cut you. Congratulations, the rest of you made the team. Except you, you and you. Alrighty, Wilf, let's do a supercharged teams list, mate, uh, only because it's depressing how many trades I don't have and how many options there are this week, mate. Leading us off with the night against your Broncos uh, up at Sunshine Coast Thursday night. 
Um, anything in particular jumping out of you for Supercoach here? Yeah, I think Mitch Pierce's return is huge, not from a Supercoach perspective, but more so for the likes of Kalen Ponga and you know, the other attacking players there. I just think the Knights, are, they look much better overall. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Kevin Ponga, uh, just, he looked really good last week. And I'm terrified as a Broncos fan, also as a likely non-owner. Jaden Braley obviously copped a pretty rough head knock. I think Plenty was surprised that he returned in the second half after passing his HIA, but he's been given the week off. And, uh, you know, that opens up an opportunity for Chris Randall, of all names, to show up there. I think Plenty were hoping Connor Watson might find his way to the starting hooker role. But we'll have to see. As long as Watson starts somewhere, it'd be nice. But who knows with Adam O'Brien? Yeah, exactly. It's uh, you know, but one thing with Pierce's return, it does bring us back to the days when Mitch Barnett was scoring so freely at the start of the season on that edge. So if you have kept Barnett like myself, um, you know, he he might actually be my VC option this week with not too many other VC options there. So Connor Watson, hopefully, he does actually start. He, I mean, I'm not sure it affects his minutes with Swaso Sue there. And over at the Broncos, Katoni Staggs out for the year, mate. Of course, I'd only just brought him in. <laughs> not not much else doing over at the Bronx, is there? No, and surprisingly, I'm actually not that upset with Jake Turpin out. Like, he hasn't been that good this year, honestly. And Danny Levi is certainly not a world beater, but yeah, I don't think it's a huge drop, basically, from Turpin to Levi. And that sums up the Broncos season, doesn't it? It pretty much does, mate. Raiders-Dragons, the next game. Um, plenty of interesting stuff over at the Dragons, but it's headlined by Ben Hunt uh, breaking his arm. Yeah, I think that's massive. And, you know, we've got to give him credit for sticking it out, just like he did earlier in the season. You know, how many people get a fractured leg or a fractured arm and play out the game? Like, for anyone to call him soft, um, I just think that's not fair on him, definitely. But it... It's huge concerns for the Dragons. Like he's by far and away their best player this year, and when he's not there, I think yeah they're they're going to struggle for sure. Jack Bird, the fullback, is pretty interesting, but given the trade situation, I mean Jack Bird doesn't mind an injury himself or even a suspension, so I don't know if I could go there, especially with the Dragons the way they are. Yeah, Zach Lomax back, um, four forty one, but uh, he's he's been fairly off the pace this year and and obviously baked into his uh, score is the the fact that he's a goal kicker as well and like you say Ben Hunt not the only dragon uh, that's missing I think they're going to struggle to score points um, particularly against a Canberra side that seems to be doing okay Jordan Ruffiner uh, base stat monster from fullback isn't he yeah and look it's really good to see and the fact is Bailey Simmonson who originally was a bit of a concern not even in the 21 anymore so yeah, I think that'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. There's also a new outside back, Elijah Anderson. I think he's actually a winger. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out there, whether that's just a, a one, one-off or whatever. But yeah, the big news for the Raiders, obviously, Corey Harawirinara. I mean, the reason I traded him out a few weeks ago because I thought he might get benched and then he went 120 plus and 80 and whatever. So he scored you plenty of points in the meantime, but he's finally been benched for... I thought it was a pretty piss poor performance, honestly. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely got those in him, and and that's why I've actually avoided him all season. Even when he looked so tempting, being a doggies fan, I, I'd seen him kind of put together four or five week spurts, but inevitably, you know, defensive lapses and, and effort lapses means he'd he'd get put to to the bench, and and Ricky Stewart's pretty much doing the same here. Eels Rabbitohs, though, mate. Um, gee, the Rabbitohs look good. <laughs> that's my intro. Gee, they look good. They do, they do, and it doesn't seem like they're going to stop anytime soon. The Eels should be a tougher matchup, though. They do get Mitch Moses back, which is massive for them. And uh, I think 
you know, aside from that, they're mostly healthy. Aside from Reagan Campbell Gillard, who sneakily been good for them, but I think Oregon Kafusi, I think he's had a pretty good year. So for that reason, I think the Eels might actually be pretty tough. They've always been fairly solid defensively, except the last time these two teams played, which is uh, should be interesting. I reckon the Eels might be up for this one to try bounce back a little and put a bit bit of respect in their name. Will Smith obviously on the bench helps Papa Lee in Madison's minutes as well. So uh, I'm not sure there's too many fringe players that you wouldn't play in your 17, except for maybe Tane Milne uh, for those people who held. He might be in a void if you are lucky enough to have more than 17 playing. And Cam Murray back is pretty big for the Rabbitohs as well. So I think that's good science also for Damian Cook, who, I mean, after a big game and now has a had a bit of a lower game, but with Cam Murray back, I just think, yeah, they'll combine well. But yeah, I mean, if you didn't have Murray, would you be tempted to bring him this week against the Eels or would you just kind of sit back and wait? Oh, look, I think for 95% of super coaches this week, it's probably about the centre wing uh, with more injuries there and a couple of, um, you know, returns. But uh, look, Cameron Murray, he's at his best. He's kind of an A minus. You know, he's not, he's never been that premium. Uh, kind of gun scorer, but he's he's been kind of half a tier below. So, look, if, if if second row is the place that you need to go, he might be the best option for the week uh, at the price. And, again, obviously his minutes are going to be pretty secure there uh, as well. But, no, look, I don't. I think he's – no one's doing any luxury trades, I guess, is my point this week. So if you're bringing in Murray, it's because you have a real need at se- uh, second row this week, and he's probably the option. Yeah, I wonder what's going on with Campbell Graham as well. I mean, he was named last week and then not uh, didn't didn't show up in final team list and not even named in the twenty one. So it could just be yet another kind of lingering concussion situation, which is never great. Yeah, don't don't really have the news on that one. But um, Warriors Sharks, mate, um, Sharks conceded a bomb in yesterday's game. Um, that's probably. Probably defence will be a little bit better against the Warriors who are a little bit toothless, but for me, this game's all about adding for Noah Blake's return. Yeah, I mean, great for those who held, obviously, and you'd expect with the way the Warriors are going, they're going to need him to play well, basically. And they also get Matt Lodge back as well, which is pretty big, and Josh Curran as well. So, yeah, kind of like the bit of the cavalry here. Interesting to see Chanel Harris-DeVita uh, named. He was originally ruled out for the season, and then he was back because it was looking better and... Yeah, now he's back in there, and I don't understand why Sean O'Sullivan's there and not Cody Nicarima, but Nathan Brown's going to do what he's going to do, and Peter Hickey back in the centres as well. So, yeah, it's interesting times for the Warriors, but I think they're going to put up a better fight than they did last week uh, and, and just keep getting better as they get some of their troops back, that's for sure. Yeah, no Sean Johnson for the Sharks, obviously, has really kind of made their attack disjointed. Ramian was a late uh, withdrawal, and he returns this week, but... Um, yeah, I think as long as there's no SJ in the side, you've really got to worry about the, the scoring potential of anyone outside of Will Kennedy there, or maybe the likes of Talakai could uh, could get a few attacking stats. The Roosters-Penrith uh, game is next. It's one of a, a couple of real kind of diamond games this week, but obviously no Cleary, lots of other injuries for the, for the Panthers kind of takes a bit of the shine off this one. Yeah, I mean, he's he's there in the 21 jerseys. So the, the comments from Ivan Cleary made it seem like he was unlikely, but he's obviously not entirely ruled out. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, even if he was, with a break even over 200, I just don't think I could bring him in straight up. Like, you've, you'd give him a week, especially against the Roosters, and then 
if he looks back to normal and you know, maybe you take a punt on him, but the, the injury risk is very real, that's for sure. Yeah, I can't imagine there's too many people uh, at the pointy end that, that managed to hold. I think, you know, everyone was scared off by that initial uh, prognosis. So, yeah, definitely not a trade-in this week. But if for some reason you um, went into space with uh, Jeff Bezos and have only just gotten back to Earth and forgot to trade Cleary out, keep your eye on late teams. Uh, over the Roosters, mate, there's some funny things there. I mean, Dale Copley is the face of the Roosters' injury toll, uh, having to come back and play on the wing there. Not a lot of talent there, Adam Kieran in the centre. So while they do have a lot of their troops back, I think the, there just isn't the depth there of previous years. Well, I think the, the depth is there, but they've just been so smashed. Like, again, you know, any time where you get three of your most senior players and experienced players retiring, plus cop the injury toll that you have here, I think, yeah, you got to give credit to the Roosters for continually turning up the way they have and still putting in, you know, genuine performances and actually, you know, they're still the threat of top four, which is insane. So, yeah, like I'm no Roosters fan for sure and I always like to bag them when I can, but I've got to give them credit where credit's due. And you're right. So Dale Copley is hardly, I mean, he couldn't even get a start at the Broncos, which is pretty, pretty bad. Yeah, I think that says all you really need to say. But, I mean, the, the guns here are still guns. You know, I wouldn't get too stressed about Radley's low score. It was, uh, you know, probably coming because he was going to get lower minutes than he'd been getting. Roosters were winning comfortably. I can't see that happening this game. They're going to need him. Uh, even though the Panthers don't have their full complement of players, I still think they're going to be pretty tough uh, for the Roosters, who obviously are pretty depleted themselves. So I think it'll be a sneakily good game. It might not be great for Supercoach. But, you know, given the way people are like, you know, I can't imagine anyone having the luxury of benching a Joey Manu because he's back to centre now and he's got the tough matchup, like all hands on deck, basically. Yeah, I mean, even Angus Crichton getting sub 50 as well was a bit of a shock. But um, if you're in a position this week to bench Angus Crichton, then I don't know what you're listening to us for. Um, the second big game of the week, mate. Tommy Turbo and the Seagulls versus Storm. And before we go, just a quick one. I do love in the... Uh, intro to the pod where you had uh, Tommy Trevojevic uh, through Swish introducing the podcast. I love that he felt the need to say that he was from the Manly Warringah Sea Eagles as opposed to any other Tom Trevojevic, but I digress. I mean, that's the thing. Like, you give them the instructions, right? And I just put generically, you know, introduce your name and, you know, your, your club and stuff like that. So he's gone and done exactly what, uh, you know, we, we'd asked him to via Swish. So, yeah, look, I think that's 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 Tommy to a T, right? He leaves no stone, no stone unturned, as, as dumb as it might seem like. And I think that shows up in his professionalism on the field and off the field as well. So It's a pretty much a game of, you know, you play all your guns, except maybe for, for Pappenhausen and Grant. Um, what are your thoughts with those guys this week? I think Grant's shown that he doesn't care. Like, he'll get decent minutes and he's just an absolute gun if you don't have... A genuine hooking option because maybe you you had Jaden Brelly and nothing like I'd be looking just to upgrade him to Grant and run home with him. As much as he was an injury risk, he looked like he was perfectly fine, and I think the storm gave him plenty of time to recover. The chat from the from NRL Physio in the past has been always you know the the first game or two is always at uh, at higher injury risk, but once he makes a pass the first two games, he's fine. And, you know, I guess this is the second game technically, but I wonder, like, the Storm gave him so long to recover that maybe he's going to be good to go and 
certainly didn't seem like he had any concerns about that. The other thing was, I guess, Jerome Hughes was, you know, struggling with a calf injury, came off early. And the chat from Craig Bellamy was that, you know, he expected Jerome to miss a week. So I don't know if it's just more smoke and mirrors here and we might see Nico Hines move into the halves and Pappenhausen starts at fullback. But I kind of feel like, um, again, you know, as a Pappenhausen owner with Jen Brelly out, I have 17 players exactly again, and I don't really want to burn another trade just to get an, another person to replace him because, yeah, I just think, yeah, Paps has still got, like he played, what, 50 minutes and he sc- scored basically at one point per minute, even at fullback with no major attacking stats. So uh, once he gets the ability to goal kick again, which he, he did last week, I think he's just going to, rack up those points so easily like he's been doing most of the season. Yeah, very much so, mate. So Bulldogs-Tigers in a a, a step down uh, in quality, let's just uh, say politely. Um, I I don't really know where to really go with this. Uh, Fellow Kiko Manu's uh, got a reprieve there for people like myself who thought he was a good buy-in to nuff out post round 18, but now he's a very valued member of my seventeen. Uh, no for Luma, uh, an option for all those CTW injuries as well. Well, we saw last year that Nofo really liked playing the Bulldogs and he had two games against them, scored tons in both games. So decent shot, I reckon. He's still got decent base. He he didn't go as well as you'd hoped, but I think that's the Tigers not going well as well as anyone hoped really. Or maybe the Warriors just turning up and, you know, really at playing everyone's expectations. So yeah, I mean, it's it's. I find it so hard to trust the Tigers on a weekly basis, but the one guy I won't question is Adam Dwayne because he's just getting it done. As long as he's got the six on his back, uh, he just yeah, just pumps out those points. So pretty glad he's in my team. It's interesting to see, you know, Flano, Kyle Flanagan gets a recall, gets one game and just doesn't doesn't do much with it. And now there's this rookie who, who looks really good off the bench. Like I'd be pretty excited to, to see how he goes as the starting six this time. Like, I mean, do you know much about this Bailey Biondi Odo? No, but um, he did uh, He did play pretty well on the weekend. Obviously got blooded a few weeks ago. The problem is is he's not a field general type. He won't steer the side around. And, and frankly, I think we've had a long enough look at Avarillo now that his strength is, is kind of as a running half, if it's in the halves at all. So, yeah, not that uh, Cole Flanagan gave the Bulldogs much more direction, but, um, yeah, general play kicking and, and steering the side around is a really big concern. It is it is a bit of a lost year. So, yeah, if I'm Trent Barrett, I, I blood the people that, you know, I want to see bring along, and, and Kyle Flanagan's clearly not one of those. Outside of that, mate, Josh Jackson continues to to rack out, rack up kind of B plus kind of scores. Um, you know, I started the year with him and held him until he got injured, but um, you know, he's he's kind of a break glass in case of emergency second row forward. I think um, he scored some in the high seventies. I think on the weekend. Um, and over at the Tigers, the only real thing of note outside of Dwayne and, and Nofaluma is that uh, in the 15, a lot of people uh, had written off Zach Sini is there. So he might be good for seven to eight, maybe even nine Well, points. he might actually get the start. There's a, there, was a, there was some chat that he was training in the centres. In the centres? He's <laughs> tiny. I know, right. But apparently centres is natural position from what he's playing, played in the Reggies. So... Who knows? I mean, Cheekham is certainly a makeshift center at best. So Cheekham back to the bench and Cine into the centers might actually be the outcome here, which, again, for those who 
managed to nuff down to him, it could be, end up being an important player for this week. Could be, but uh, I guess the advantage of playing in the centres is you won't have to catch any bombs. Uh, poor old Saxini there. Um, Titans-Cowboys, mate. Titans looked great, even though David Fafita was his usual lazy self. But the big news for this game is Val Holmes' return. Yeah, that's massive. And I think the timing is pretty perfect for those who obviously took a gamble on someone like a Katoni Staggs, maybe, and might need a replacement for the rest of the season. <sighs> yes, we'll get to that. Or even, you know, if you've still got Brian Toto sitting around and maybe you've been waiting for Holmes to come back, but the matchup's pretty good. The Titans are not great defensively. They can certainly score points and they, they, they do it in bursts, like out of nowhere. They just score two, three tries in a row, but then they'll probably concede about two two or three as well. But they just, I don't know, I was watching obviously the Titans and, and they were just really frustrating. Like It was just so painful watching it. But yeah, uh, I mean, Toby Sexton, really, really promising, I reckon. And I think Justin Holbrook's going to have a pretty tough call to make. Now, Jamal Fogarty's still in the 21. If he is fit to play, I don't know if he will, but he should drop Ash Taylor and just play Fogarty and, and, and Sexton together in the halves because, I mean, Taylor's gone next year and Sexton's the future. They've got him till 2024. So fingers crossed Holbrook makes a sensible, rational coaching decision there. Yeah, Ta- Ash Taylor, it's preseason in the NFL and uh, you know any quarterback injuries, some of those forward passes he was throwing, that uh, that form looked pretty, pretty good, but just not in the NRL, mate. Got to throw him backwards. Tamalolo on the edge uh, for the Cowboys, mate. Uh, obviously, base stats take a bit of a hit, but frankly, they weren't that high to begin with this year. Yeah, I mean, how many times is this now? Like, I feel like you know he came into the league playing off the bench. He spent some time on the edge. This is way back in, what, 2014 or something like that? And, you know, he's, he's had a couple of goes playing on the edge, but just... He's a big mobile guy, but I don't think he's very well suited to defending. You know, that lateral movement in defense for him just isn't good. So I think this is not, I don't know. I mean, Todd Payton's a smart guy and he's shown himself to be a decent coach, but this is a move that is very confusing to me. But uh, I know some people also looked at Halem Lukey as a bit of a downgrade around round 16, 17, and they might just gotten lucky here with uh, Lukey getting a start on the edge as well. So yeah, I think for me, it's just Val Holmes. If you're looking at anybody, the Titans outside backs are frustrating because of the inconsistency with the Titans. But I mean, Corey Thompson is the number one winger there. Greg Marzu does have the shadow of Phil Sammy hanging over him. And as much as Marzu's been good, like I just don't know. I couldn't say with confidence that he will hold his spot over Sammy as much as I think Marzu should. But yeah, it's a tough one for sure. But yeah, any any other names that jump out to you? Like, what about Jared Wallace, who just seems to keep finding attacking stats? Yeah, mate. I mean, Bear would absolutely be in with a shout at, at top overall if he uh, if he went with Wallace against your predictions at the start of the year. But look, really, the only thing I'd say is that a couple of weeks ago, you know, David Fafita came off the bench and, and absolutely blitzed. It seemed like a bit of a fire was lit under him. Same uh, same story last week except that the fire really wasn't there um interestingly the the titans made no attempt uh to favor the uh his side at all they kept going uh to the preferred left hand side and and that's just the way it was so not too many runs and and there was probably two standout runs for Fafita, but the work rate just isn't there certainly he's he's a top 17 player he's his potentials as the top scoring uh second rower but I think the days of him being a captaincy option, at least until we see otherwise, um, just aren't there. 
it's just super risky, right? Like you don't know when he's going to get on the field, if he's still coming off the bench. And you know, he's playing the last game of the round. But yeah, yeah, you're right. I just don't think he can really be trusted at this stage. You're rolling him out every week, though, because that ceiling's still legitimate, as we saw just two weeks ago. But yeah, he can easily just trot out a 50-60 score if he doesn't get that attack that he desperately needs to be able to score, like a genuine captain option. Exactly, mate. So that's the team news for the week. Let's take a quick break. This podcast is brought to you by Manscaped.com. This is your pubic service announcement and the news you've all been waiting for. The Manscaped engineering team has successfully created the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, which is now available for purchase in Australia. I'm one of the first people to try the new 4.0 and I'm blown away by the performance. The craftsmanship and details on the 4.0 are next level. Their advanced ceramic blade and skin safe technology is so good, it almost seems as if Manscaped worked with Elon Musk's engineers to ensure your testes are as safe as possible. So what makes the trimmer different from all other trimmers? A new multifunction on-off switch can engage a travel lock created for people who like to travel. The ability to turn off the 4000K LED spotlight uh, on and off when needed for a more precise shave. And the new trimmer even allows you to customise your trim all over through additional guard lengths with sizes 1 to 4. The optimised lawnmower 4.0 trim is waterproof and its new wireless charging system uses electromagnetic induction which can help battery length last longer. If you're still trimming your face with your ball trimmer, it's time to make some changes. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free shipping with the code CHAMPIONS at manscaped.com. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tool for the job with Manscaped. If you are what you say you are, a superstar, then have no fear, the camera's here. All right, so I had Rob with me. Rob runs the former champion uh, with me last week. So he stepped in, obviously, and he picked Adam Dwayhe as his switch prediction there, who scored 97. Not quite 165, but 97 is not a bad shout. You uh, thankfully sent in your prediction of Katoni Staggs, and I think you backed him for 131, which, again, you weren't too far off with 90 and could have been more if uh, Jermaine Osaka knew how to catch, but unfortunately not quite. Yeah. And because you guys are so nice, you left me Tommy Turbo. I only predicted him for 143. 226, new Supercoach record. So just <laughs> to do that and not play 80 minutes, not have goal kicking is just ridiculous. It was it was men against boys, but to be fair, like that defense, Turbo or not, was pretty pathetic. Yeah, and I just wonder, like, what was the thought process behind putting Talakai in the centers and whatnot? But, yeah, that's all right. All of us Turbo captains cashed in. Someone else who's cashed in is Brendan, who is at defense, uh, who predicted Turbo as the top scoring player of the round. And he only pegged him at 173, so only 53 points off. But that was the highest prediction. Brendan, one of our champs, so I'll obviously hook him up with the discount code there with Swish. So, Joe, you're here, obviously, this week. Who are you picking? Uh, well, I, I don't think anyone wants me to pick a popular super coach player, considering I've put the mock on just about everyone, with the latest being Stags out for the year. But I am going to go with the tried and true fullback against the Broncos, Kalen Ponga, 148. Yeah, look, if you didn't pick him, I was going to. So that's a great shout there. Look, it's definitely a tough round for, uh, I guess, selections because, you know, the no-brainers like Turbo up against the Storm and, you know, even Teddy up against the Panthers. So a lot of those popular options are ruled out, I think, for, for a switch prediction. So I think I'm going to have to go a little bit more left field and I'm going to actually go to Adam Dwayhe against your Bulldogs and I'm going to pick him for 133. 
more than capable and the Bulldogs are more than capable of allowing him. Yeah, so look, we actually tied now and I think it's because Bear's been lazy and not submitted his predictions for a while, but we are neck and neck, six and six. So it'll be interesting to see who who gets the chocolates over the last couple of rounds here. Serious business, mate. (laughs) Absolutely. So um, we obviously thank Swish for sponsoring the segment. Uh, They are changing the way athletes can interact with fans and vice versa. Uh, Jump onto their website, heyswish.com, or check them out on socials at swish, S-W-Y-S-H, on all the various social media platforms there. But you'll see exactly what they're doing. And you can just go on the website, jump on, and look at who you would like to pick doesn't have to be a rugby league player. It could be any sort of athlete. Just uh, choose them, uh, submit your instructions through, and Swish takes care of the rest. So they'll organize for the video to be recorded and sent back to you. You'll get the video back, and obviously, whether it's for yourself or your friends or whatever, whether it's for your last uh, head-to-head opponent for Supercoach, you can certainly pick a whole variety of messages there, but it's really good. HeySwish.com. And if you use the code CHAMP, C-H-A-M-P, you'll get 10% off on your order as well. So that's our Swish Supercoach star predictions for this week. Let's look at some of the key pressing issues for the round. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for them. All right, Wilf. Mounting season-ending injuries. I've got way more of them than I even do trades. Um, for me, it's time to burn my last trades. Lots of people in a similar position. Um, what are your thoughts on what we need to do to, to get 17 on the park this week? Yeah, I think that's the key question, right? Can you field 17 without having to make trades? And I think if you can... I'd honestly be tempted just to hold them unless you can't field 17 because the way this is going, if we keep losing a player or two from our Supercoach teams every week, like I just think any luxury trades of a healthy player out or anything like that, you're just going to leave yourself short for the last couple of rounds potentially. Yeah, I feel like I've been the one saying since the early weeks of the year, don't forget there's more weeks, you know, more rounds. We've got less trades proportionately don't spend them willy-nilly if only I kind of took my own advice so um, just looking at my side uh, the busters I've got Dane Laurie Brian To'o Katoni Staggs in my center wing Um, and I've got two trades left and I've got to spend two of them just to get a fully functioning center wing so they're the guys I, I think Laurie's probably going to be out for the year or close enough too. So it's center wings that are going to be a big target for myself. And just judging by our champs discord, center wings seems to be the focus of the week as well. Yeah, I mean, like I said, you know, we've lost Brian Toro. A lot of people held off on looking at maybe getting him uh, a replacement for him because they could field 17. But, you know, with other people losing other center wings, I think it's just, yeah, it's unfortunately you know, Dan Laurie. Um, gone down for the year, unfortunately, as well. So, yeah, Laurie Staggs, all these types of guys just out of the team uh, and, and therefore needs to be replaced. So I guess the question is, is who do you go to? Like, is it Val Holmes? Is it, I don't know, who, who comes to mind? Obviously, you're in that position. I am in that position. Val Holmes is a priority. He was he was a guy that I'd kind of kept an eye on pre-injury uh, and it was a small bullet dodge there, but he's 578. Um, I think break-evens at this point are a little bit irrelevant. You just plug in the players that you need if you can afford them. So uh, Holmes at 578 is a priority. Bradman Best, who has just haunted my nightmares all year with his injuries and, and loss of form. Uh, of course, I don't own him when he when he bashes out his first ton of the year. But break-even of nine, he's only 382K, reflecting that loss of form as well. So, you know, if, if you are looking to get 
an expensive uh, center wing like Val Holmes, 578K, you're probably shopping a little bit more towards uh, a Bradman Best if you're bringing in two at 382K. Uh, Nofo, 470, uh, did pretty well with the 73 and obviously plays the Bulldogs, who he has that great history against. Probably they're the guys that I'm prioritizing, but there are plenty. Jordan Rapana has been a base stat monster, but you do wonder whether you know he's got big hundreds in him where all of the guys I've mentioned do. Yeah, I mean, that I guess it just depends on, you know, do you want that base or do you want to just go for the upside? Like, yeah, you know, I know a lot of people looked at Adokar in recent weeks, and certainly upside he's he's up there. But we saw exactly last week how how rough it can be when he doesn't get the attacking stats, or even when he does. I think he's his score of twenty actually includes that try assist where he just booted the ball and just bounced. It does. <laughs> so that's gross. You know, <laughs> 20 with a try assist there, even if it's a kick, I think it just shows how low that floor really can be when he doesn't need to get involved. Yeah, so it's 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 a concern because, you know, you've still got Nico Hines there, and I know a lot of people obviously have been rolling him out in their center wing, but the fact is, you know, if he's moving into the halves, I think, do you stick with it? Do you just keep him in your team because he's still fit and playing? And I think fit and playing, yes. Um, you know, he takes a hit because when Pappenhausen comes back full time, he won't be goal kicking, and and you know, just that bit of extra freedom uh, and room to move that Hines has at fullback, he really likes. But he but he has scored well at five eight uh, this year as well. So, look, forget the fact that he's going to lose money. That's not important at this time points are what's important and you know he's a premium center wing option for the run home even without the goal kicking i think yeah provided he is obviously starting somewhere and i guess you know let's say maybe he doesn't play in the halves or let's say he moves to the to the centers or something like that do you still think he's a hold oh look i I think so i mean you probably want to be rocking kind of you know at least six, seven, maybe even eight trades to consider. Again, it, it really is that luxury um, trade out there because, you know, he's he's probably down from a 75-80 average to a 60-65 average, um, take away the goal kicking and, and, and moving him out of fullback. But, I mean, that's still pretty premium uh, for the position and certainly most trades would be sideways. You'd really have to look at a, a Ruben Garrick or, or perhaps a Val Holmes, um, although there's risk there to consider an upgrade on Hines. Um, but, look, I would find it really hard to believe that, um, that that Bellamy wouldn't play him and, and centres probably in a fully fit uh, Melbourne Storm, that's probably where he goes. But the side's got so much utility, whether it's Brandon Smith and Harry Grant and, uh, you know, Nico Hines and, and all the other guys, that they're, they're so interchangeable. But uh, I think he'll get the best 13 on the park. Yeah, uh, I tend to agree there. One and one other name, I guess, is a bit of a left-field option who's not quite at the, uh, you know, Bradman best type price tag, but he's a little bit uh, more expensive. You and Aitken named in the second row again. I mean, could you trust it? He's 416, 417,000. He just scored 128 points and, you know, he scored a double, but one of the tries is really just, I mean, he intercepted a short kickoff. Like, it's pretty fluky. But yeah. even if you take that lucky try out, that's still over 100 points. And base and base attack is definitely up there. Plus, he's got, obviously got the attacking upside uh, from time to time. So, 
I don't know, like even if you, let's say you take the punt on him staying on the back row and even if he gets shuffled back to center, like he's not the worst option. Like he's still fit and healthy going to play for you. Yeah, and and again, it's it's a guy with two feet and a heartbeat, so he's probably going to make 17s. Um, it's, it'd just be an issue with Aiken that, look, He's he's more expensive than best. He's, he's four sixteen. It helps uh, that he's in the back row. But if you look at the Warriors side, you know Bailey Sirinan, usually an edge back rower, uh, named at thirteen. Curran can play both, uh, and you've got Tanua Brown, Jack Murchie uh, on the reserves that are yet to come in as well. So it's just you know it's hard to predict with Nathan Brown from week to week what's going to happen there. Evans uh, a follow up. Eliasa Katoa as well on the interchange. So it could be a one-week deal, and that's just my issue with Aiken because obviously he's he's never really played edge uh, much before. Yeah, which is interesting because I think he's very, very well suited to it. So well, we'll have to see how he goes, if he keeps that spot or not. Aside from center wing, like I think we've covered a lot of the options. We've talked about center wing every week basically. So I still maintain it's definitely a place for you to, to pot up and hopefully chase down some points there. Uh, especially Wild or, you know, the popular guys like Alex Johnson is still out injured and, you know, the likes of Nico Hines, who, again, should be played and kept for a lot of people, but he's, his scoring is probably going to take a hit because he's not playing fullback. And we've seen that's where he's been absolutely at his best. If you take all of those options out, you know, you start looking at some really, really low ownership guys. Like, you know, you've got Morgan Harper, who is like pretty much no one owns him, probably aside from his family and other hardcore Seagulls fans, yet he's sitting on a three-round average of 96. And, you know, 86 this week, just a massive 140-plus score last week because he's got a hat-trick. Like, those are some of the dart throws you, you could be taking in, in the center wing here. Not suggesting I'm recommending Harper, but I think if you're, if you're near contention and you really want to, you know, take a shot at trying to, you know, hit a absolute hand grenade pod and just get that next 150 score out of nowhere, like, I think that's the place you got to have a take a shot, especially while the popular guys are going down injured or, you know, the scoring is going to be impacted because of various changes to their role or whatever it might be. Yeah, Morgan Harper is certainly playing well. I wouldn't buy him up against the Storm this week. And But that being said, you know, he's 520 with a break even of, of negative 28. So even if he does pretty poorly against the Storm, he's, he's still going to be looking at kind of uh, – high fives uh to buy him in which which makes him like he's if he was kind of mid to low fours he might be that super pod risk that i'd roll the dice on but if, if you're going to pay you know 520 this week and a poor score or approaching 600 uh next week then that's a pretty pretty big gamble even though he is only one point seven percent owned interestingly you know we have been obviously going deep on center wings four of the top five trade-ins this week are center wings just to give you any indication of um you know where everyone is looking at the moment the only one who isn't uh, is my swish star of the week kaylin ponger uh, brought in against the broncos so 536k and uh, you know reasonable break even as well and you know fullback would be the other option to to pot up against but really tommy turbo is is an essential you can't really anti-pod him can you well yeah i mean maybe you should have a look at rob sutherland's score this week and maybe that can be your answer wow <laughs> sorry rob poor, poor no, I love you. <laughs> but look when we got him on a couple of weeks ago we asked him you know uh, would you actually commit to staying away from turbo for so long and he he doubled down on it and true to his word he's still not got turbo and 
think his uh, 1100 or so score probably says all you need to say about that one decision he's in a world of pain but i mean we and it's interesting it is that kind of sliding doors season isn't it we've spoken it before about people who brought papali in when he was still a bench player and uh, you know bought turbo in before he played his first game right as uh, tedesco was losing cash and it's those kind of bold calls that you make that do make and break your season but i, I tend to think it, it's probably the worst bet in the game backing against tommy turbo at the moment well i mean that's pretty much yeah i finally caved in and despite all the i guess the the logic behind staying away from him over the origin period because of all the injury risks and everything like that i eventually just caved got him in in round 14 and, you know, since then, my slide and rankings has gone backwards and I've gone up 10,000 spots since then. So, yeah, I think it's safe to say that Tommy is all you need to have a good season. So speaking of Tommy then, is he a captaincy choice against the Storm? Yeah, that's. I think that's the key question this week anyway, isn't it? Because I think this year has shown that captaining people against the Storm is just asking for pain. Even playing players against the Storm, generally speaking, you're asking for a, for a, a low score, basically. So not that I'm saying you should be benching Turbo against the Storm at all, but I genuinely think taking the captaincy off him is an opportunity to sweep because let's say he only scores 80. Like, it's still a great score against the Storm, but it's not quite the, the heights that we're used to. So there's certainly an option there. But the problem for me, I think, is there's just like all the matchups are really tough. You know, you look at your other common captaincy options and that's the likes of, you know, your Teddies, um, you know, Nico Hines, obviously. With the uncertainty over his role and everything like that, you, he's no longer an option. You look at the likes of Cody Walker and Latrell, uh, they're, they're against the Eels. Gutherson used to be a good captain. He's against the Rabbitohs. Ponga plays in the very first game of the round. So he's, if you're going to take a punt on him, he's, he's your vice captain probably, but you know, I, I just can't see any clear standout option for captain this week. A lot of people will just say that Turbo is a set and forget in every sense of the word, but I think this really is an opportunity with, you know, the the popular guys having much much tougher matchups. Really pot it up. You know, have a look at what your captaincy ownership is. Per, my, me personally, I'm bringing Val Holmes in this week, and I really like his matchup against the Gold Coast. So I'll be sticking the armband straight on him, only because I know that less than 1% of super coaches will do that. And, you know, this is an opportunity with so much of the rest of my team struggling. You know, I'll just have 17, and that includes uh, Falakika Manu from the Doggies getting an unexpected call up this week. So, um, yeah, it, it, it's the likes of your Val Holmes for me. I just don't like the – someone like a Cody Walker would be a, a secondary captaincy option, but he plays para. Teddy's got a really tough game against Penrith as well. It's just, you know, really the top six teams play each other this week, and that's where we pull our uh, our captaincy options from. And the top six teams not only score a lot of the points, but they also concede the fewest. So, um, you know, this is the opportunity to really roll the dice. And look, I certainly I can understand the, the dice roll on Holmes. I mean, it sounds like you're not too concerned about the injury, which, fair enough, um, you just got to take your, take your punt on that. I wonder if it's more, is it even around to take a punt on just captaining a forward? Like an Isaiah Papali. Whoa, whoa, settle down. <laughs> forward. <laughs> it's 2021, Wilf. Come on. Look, I'm just throwing it out there. Throwing it out there. I mean, Isaiah Papali, you know, tough grinding game against the Rabbitohs, but still with the potential to crash over. You know, if he, if he does that, 120, 
be you're pretty stoked with that this week. So yeah, oh, absolutely. And and I mean, he he's a guy that's averaging a lazy eighty three. So, you know, um, 80 used to be your pass-fail mark, you know, for captains in years past. Nowadays, it would be a disappointing score. But but anything north of 80, I think, this week um, is, is rock solid. And I guess, you know, if you're talking about other kind of potential high-ceiling guys that, you know, aren't playing a top-six team, Adam Tuehi against the Bulldogs. Like I said, I picked him for Swish, but I'm almost thinking about whether I throw the orange armband on him given the rest of the other options here. and. You know, that, that gives me the opportunity to technically still vice-captain Turbo. And, you know, if Turbo just does keeps doing Turbo things and goes off, because I'm, I'm only going to have 17 players this week as well because of injuries and whatnot, and Jaden barely getting rested. So it's a free loop. So I, I kind of think that's that's an option there. It's uh, Look, uh, to be fair, if I had Dwayne, I would be captaining him. So, yes, that's, that's a very, very, very solid uh, option. But with Cody Walker and Connor Watson... In my 5'8 position, it's uh, it's just not an option for me. So, yeah, look, tough one uh, for, for captains, and I'll keep an eye on the Val Holmes health uh, prediction, but assuming he uh, he gets the clean bill of health, then I'm on him for the armband. Yeah, and like I said, I think if I owned Ponga, he's definitely the guy I'd be vice-captaining him this week because he's in the first game of the round. And I guess like what I was saying before with the potential to vice-captain Turbo and then captain Adewahi or... You know, even Val Holmes or even David Fafita, guys in the last top couple of games, because most of us probably rocking, you know, 16, 17, 18 players, your chances of looping are very high because you just don't have many players to choose from. So the player you might drop. It's, it's a real bye week mentality, isn't it? That's exactly it. So I definitely think you've got to really plan your team layout. So I know a lot of people last week got caught out. They wanted to loop Cody Walker only to realize that they actually didn't have, uh, you know, an actual nuff that was playing after him that hadn't already been started in another area of the team, if that makes sense. So they'd already, you know, they they had enough to use to loop, but then they realized that, you know, maybe they had Isaiah Papali and Haas in the front row forward who'd already both played by then. So they couldn't sub their nuff into the starting position to actually loop Cody Walker. I know some people got really lucky because that ended up mean, meaning they captain, had the captain turbo. So, you know, <laughs> that worked out well for them in the end. But you know what I mean? Like you want to plan ahead to actually look at your team and set it up properly so that if you do want to loop, you're still doing it the right way. If that makes sense. Yeah, when when the going's good kind of mid-year when we've got heaps of trades and every, you know, all 25 players are playing and you're really just choosing kind of your, your last couple of reserves and that's where the, you know, strategy comes into it. This is a, a really tough week where you've got a kind of those marginal gains and those little kind of advantages and, and setting your team up the right way. The the players who play at the start of the week are your starters and, and all that kind of stuff for late withdrawals for injury. Like you said, just making sure you've got those enough. And I'm pretty sure enough of us do with all these uh, season-ending injuries from our vice captaincy options but uh, if you've got Ponga very clear vice captaincy option the rest it's a, it's a little bit of a crapshoot so I've already spoiled that I'm bringing Val Holmes in this week for uh, for To'o uh, I've probably got another center wing to to bring in as well that'll probably be Bradman Best to, to get a share of that Newcastle backline uh, what are you looking at mate? Well, at this stage, I'm kind of tempted just to hold trades. So I've got Sean Johnson, then I've got Tohu Harris. So I've got people who you know should be traded out because they're gone for the season. But I've only got two trades left. And I can technically field 17 as long as everyone who's named it will play. 
even if my 17th player is Ryan Pappenhausen. So, yeah, not ideal, but like I said, I think the the cost of potentially not being able to replace a, a turbo or something like that if they do go down injured for the season is probably worse. Like it's worth hanging on for another week before I would gladly roll the dice and trying to say, well, I'll, you know, I'll burn my last two trades and, and cross my fingers for the last three rounds or something like that. Maybe that's something I'll do in a couple of weeks' time, but I think I'll hang on to my trades because they are worth more than the weight in gold. And I guess to my point that I was just literally just saying about setting up your team properly, so I know I literally just said I'll vice Captain Turbo and Captain Dewey, but I just realized I don't actually have any enoughs that play after Turbo. So, yeah. There you go. Yeah. Um, obviously, <laughs> I'll have to revisit that and work something else. I mean, you've got plenty of enoughs. You're in the 10,000s, Wilf, but yeah, just right. nothing to play after. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. Exactly right. So this is what I mean, setting up your team properly by looking sure, looking through, making sure if you are looking at someone to vice captain, you're going to loop them, that you actually have a plan on being able to loop them properly. So uh, that's all good. And so look, I think we've gone through all of that in detail. Let's catch up on the group comp here, sponsored by supercoachchampion.com. And look, we've got two guys sitting in fourth and fifth. So that's Robert, coach of the Centurions, and Andrew, coach of the Eliminators. So both have been there for a long time and you know, still within striking distance of the top few spots. It's going to be tough to chase down the Billy Army. We know that for sure because he's in a really strong position, but... Like we saw last week, you know, all it takes is one bad trade and an injury going down. I've been told that both Robert and Andrew brought in Dan Laurie last week. Wow. I know, right? That's painful. Like to 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 burn one of your few last few trades on a Dan Laurie and then have him go down. And look, uh, I mean, the decision made a lot of sense, right? Because, you know, fullback, really easy draw, et cetera, et cetera. But just to have injury rob that. It's so painful and that's what I'm saying. Like, don't give up because, you know, I'm not saying this is what I wish for or anything like that, but all it takes is one or two injuries and there's a couple hundred points there. It could be easily caught up. So, yeah, it's certainly not a finished race by any means. And we've got a couple of other super coaches in 16th, 17th and 19th. So Clara, coach of Clacker in 16th, MJ, coach of 4020s, obviously one of our champs in 17th and Brad, coach of Hopper's Finger in 19th as well. So those are the top five teams in our group comp uh and you know they're in the contention for that supercoachchampion.com ring and also the 200 dollars voucher for team merch uh, of the obviously the team of their choice but don't forget promo code champ for 10 percent off and free shipping they've got some rings there available still if you want to grab some for your head-to-head league but yeah make sure you check that out anyway i think that's plenty of chat for this week we will be here for the late mail edition as always make sure you subscribe so you get that as soon as it drops Please, as always, uh, leave us a review and uh, let us know what we can do better. Shout out to all our champs. We really do appreciate your support. And we're going to have lots and lots of fun NFL content for the offseason for NRL. And, uh, yeah, no doubt, if you're keen on NFL, jump in. We have a lot of fun with that in the uh, champs Discord as well. But thank you again for listening. We'll catch you again soon. Thanks, guys.